Congratulations, you're listening to Podcast Rebellion. Welcome to Podcast Rebellion. This is Juco All-American, joined as usual by Whiskey Wednesday. We have a lot to talk about. It's game week! Game week! Game week. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, and, yeah, but before we get to all that stuff, we're going to do what we have historically done and say what we're drinking. So I'm actually drinking Aberfeldy. Uh, and actually, let me make sure that I'm right on the on the year. I think it's 12 year. Yeah, that's right. It's 12 year. And uh, it is, I guess, like finished in a, a uh, port wine cask uh, and is real good. The, the finish is, is spectacular on it. What about you? Nice. Uh, so I cracked into a bottle of Plantation OFTD. It's an overproof rum. Uh, two facts about it. Uh, it has 69% alcohol, um, which is both funny and appropriate for the sort of week that I've had. Uh, <laughs> and two, uh, Ghost of Jay Cutler uh, bought this bottle for me like a couple of years ago. And he said that the uh, the liquor store clerk said that the OFTD stood for, oh, fart, that's delicious, except here's the thing, he didn't say fart. Uh, so, so those are my two facts about this thing I'm drinking. That's so dumb. Uh, yeah, well, um, Aberfeldy is only 40% alcohol, so uh, mm-hmm. you, you've got me you got me heavily beat. But I did have a glass of Noah's Mill before this, so Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, cool. Yeah. Let's, let's kick things off game week. I'm, I'm really, really excited. Um, I mentioned to you, like, I didn't necessarily expect to be this excited, uh, in game week. Um, I, I love Ole Miss football and everything, but, uh, yeah, like I am super amped and pumped in a ways that even last year I was not. And that's not to say that like I, my predictions are the same for this year or anything. I'm just, Looking forward to watching football. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of excitement around you know the Ole Miss team in general. I think the portal plus Lane Kiffin has just added so much intrigue and excitement. Like it, it feels cool to have a good coach, and it feels cool to turn over so much of our roster, but still have almost certainly a good team. We don't know how good, but like we're gonna be good. Um, yeah. And of course, it's fun to follow all the like crazy hijinks that that happen in you know Thursday night football that's that's going on as we record this. Um, so yeah, man, it's a great time. Yeah, I someone more devoted to the journalistic craft than I. Uh, I can't remember if it was that they calculated that forty four percent of the team is new, or forty four players are new. Uh, but there are, uh, you know, 85 total players in, on scholarship. So uh, a, a hefty margin, no matter what, are are new. Um, and, you know, it, it'll be exciting to see how they play. Let's actually get uh, kick their kickoff with that. Um, so what I want to talk about is kind of what questions the Troy game can answer for Ole Miss. And I think that first... I. Obviously, like Troy is, you know, not Texas A&M or Arkansas or something like that. But uh, I do think that we can start to get a glimpse of 
which trans transfers are for real. And that that's not to say that like we that if a if a transfer has a bad game, then we can say like, oh, this guy sucks or something like that. But I think that like let's say JJ Pegues has two sacks and you know kind of disrupts plays regularly and that sort of stuff. Like I think we can start to say like, okay, he was probably a good addition. And uh, you know, Michael Trigg if he abuses them or something like that. Um, I, I, I'm so excited to see all of these players who we've been hypothesizing about actually play. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think QB, obviously, I mean, it's a beat to death uh, talking about that. I know, I know. QB race. It's like, it's I, I so... almost don't want to talk about it. I know. But <laughs> I think regardless of who Kiffin trots out, it'll be obvious whether they are dynamic or not, you know, whether yeah. or not they're going to be uh, kind of an, a game manager clunking along or whether they're going to be able to really open things up. I think that's going to be obvious, you know, in the first half. Um, and I think, you know, either one of them could be really successful, but I think the eye test will be pretty apparent early on. Um I think so, the, Oh, go ahead. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Let me interrupt you real quick. Uh, so uh, I think both of you, both of us, not both of you, both of us uh, likely agree that this game is not all that likely to devolve into some sort of like 45 to zero kind of shellacking. Uh, you know, I think that Troy, you know, they went five and seven last year. They, they lost pieces, but they returned some pieces and, you know, they're usually relatively competitive, that sort of stuff. Like, I don't mm-hmm. expect it to just be like an insane beatdown from Ole Miss. Um, but let's say that it gets that. So, okay, the, the Ball State versus Tennessee game, which is going on right now at halftime, was 38 to 0. So I, I guess what I wonder is like, at what point can Kiffin go to whoever the second string quarterback is? and give that person time without necessarily like making it a QB competition. Cause uh, you know, we know that Kiffin likes to pick his quarterback and run with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, assuming that, you know, that it hasn't turned into some sort of huge problem or something like that. So I wonder like knowing that and the importance of the first game and all that sort of stuff, does he leave whoever he picks in longer, even if it starts to turn into somewhat of a route in order to like show that player that, you know, he's the guy. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. We've never really been in this situation with Kiffin before no. because despite the appearance of a real QB battle uh, between John Rice Plumley and Matt Corral, uh, Kiffin obviously knew. Um, you know, in, oh, yeah. in Plumlee had done a lot for the program, like was a, a good locker room guy and, and, you know, had his strengths. And so, you know, it made sense to make a QB battle out of it in camp, but like he knew, but I don't think he really knows. So like, yeah, we, we really don't know. Uh, you mentioned whether or not it'll be a route. I do expect, you know, the Troy defense to be pretty well coached. I think John Summerall is like a, a rising star in coaching. I don't know if he'll be a good head coach, but I think his defense is going to come out and be fundamentally sound and not just get wrecked all over the place. So I think you're right. Um, 
I think their offense could be bad. I guess we'll see. Uh, I mean, I haven't done deep dive into their roster, but uh, you know, I, I expect them to really make Ole Miss work to score like 45 points. And then I don't know, I could see them maybe scoring 10 or something like that. Uh, it could, you know, big plays happen, especially early in the season, getting, you know, starting lineups and all these kinks worked out. But I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of of the opinion that Ole Miss will run away with it at the end, um, uh-huh. but it'll be, it'll be close, you know, or at least, you know, Troy will make it a game for a good, you know, two and a half, three quarters. Yeah, I think that's definitely reasonable. Um, I will say, so uh, UCF and South Carolina are actually, I'm sorry, South Carolina State are actually playing right now. uh, And John Rice Plumley, UCF leads 28 to three in the third quarter. Um, John Rice Plumley, three for four for 17 yards. uh, And eight carries for 75 yards and a touchdown. Wait, I thought I saw that he had been like 10 for 13 or something. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at the stat broadcast numbers and it looks like Jay Baker, Javon Baker. What? This makes no sense. Uh, yeah, okay, this has to be wrong, because they say that a wide receiver is 6 for 11 for 107 yards, and John John Rice Palmy is 3 for 4 for 17 yards, so that makes no sense, so totally disregard what I said. All right, let's see, I'm trying to pull up ESPN right now. Oh, uh, they, they do not have live stats. Oh, killing me, man. I, know, I, know, uh, I, <laughs> I thought I saw that he was shredding it. Um, That's great, I mean, I... Um, yeah. I don't think that he should have been the starting quarterback at Ole Miss, but I certainly, you know, want him to succeed. No, uh, absolutely. Um, And I think we'll see a lot of fun highlights from him this year. And, you know, that's just kind of a win-win for for everyone involved, I think. Um, Yeah. I think Ole Miss fans will really enjoy seeing him succeed, especially, you know, there are a lot of, like, the, the good old boy fans who, like, (laughs) <laughs> really wanted him to, to be around and be the starting QB. Sure. Uh, sure. But like, and, you know, even I, I not those guys, I think even yeah. not those guys kind of are like, oh, you know, it'd be great if he was, if he was good. Now, Dan Mullen uh, put out on Twitter who his like top three Heisman contenders were. And I don't remember who those were. Those were reasonable, like Bryce Young, that sort of stuff. But then he had his three Heisman dark horses and John Rice Pumley was one of them. Uh, and I think that's just not so crazy. He would be the darkest of horses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So uh, other questions that the Troy game can answer. I think a big question is what will the defense look like? Not just from a personnel perspective, but under Chris Partridge. So, um, you know, we've heard that they're more aggressive, uh, that in the scrimmage they were aggressive and blitzed more and that sort of stuff. Uh, we've talked about it on this podcast before, and I don't want to go too far into it, but about how the defense last season was night and day when in the first half of the year they were sort of like afraid to blitz without Jake Springer. In the second half of the year they sent a ton of pressure and were incredibly successful. Uh, and 
But that's not necessarily the case, right? Like, it's not as if you can say, obviously, a blitzing, a, a defense that blitzes a ton will be, you know, successful in that way. And we've never seen Chris Partridge be a play caller as a defensive coordinator. So I'm really intrigued to see what his play calls look like. And, you know, as is the case with a lot of out-of-conference games, it could be that the defense stays kind of vanilla and, you know, does the base packages and that sort of stuff. But I still think that we'll have a sense of, like, does he want to send guys or is he kind of, like, staying back and, you know, trying to avoid the big play? Yeah, I agree. And it'll be really telling whether or not the defensive line is able to get pressure just with three. Um, Cause if they're not against yeah. Troy, that, that kind of blows some holes in our, our theory that the line may be a lot better. Um, if we're not seeing Cedric Johnson and Tavius Robinson and JJ Piggies, you know, really getting pressure on the quarterback, that'll be kind of bad news bears for the rest of the season. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the reasons that the defense was so successful last year is, with three, Sam Williams went crazy. And so, you know, when you're sending three guys and one of them can get to the quarterback, like, it's going to make it hard for a quarterback to make that work. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, without him, we'll have to see. Yeah. I mean, well, Cedric Johnson got to the quarterback plenty last year. So he did. He did. He, really he's good. He's good. But, like, you know, can the defensive line collectively. Maybe not match Sam Williams, but like make a significant dent in generating a similar type of pressure. Sure. Um, okay, so another thing that I think the Troy game will answer that we we've sort of written down is um, just general across the board uh, on transfers. All these new players that have come in through the transfer portal, which of them are playing well? Obviously. But also, which of them are playing? I mean, is, you know, I think that the depth chart that came out the other day actually had Ladarius Tennyson as second string without an or. So he's not a, like, possible co-starter with Aishim Young. Which makes sense. Aishim Young, I think, is super good uh, and accustomed to the defense. But, like, is that so definite that Ladarius Tennyson is, you know, not getting as nearly as many, uh, you know, snaps as maybe we might have thought, or is it just sort of like, okay, well, he's going to play a lot, but he's not really a starter, so you know, we're going to go with Ashim Young. That's only one example. I, I'm not, I don't mean to si- signal out Ladarius Tennyson, but like uh, Jared Ivy. Jared Ivy is not listed as a starter because of Tavius Robinson and Cedric Johnson at defensive end. Both of those players are good. That makes sense. But Jared Ivey was a starter at Georgia Tech, and I thought that his signing was a really good, uh, really good transfer. And you know, he certainly could be. But I guess, like, again, will he be that somewhat disruptive force that, you know, we might have thought he was, or will he kind of just be a you know average defensive lineman, which is okay. Yeah, um, I think, yeah, I think we'll have a lot to look at, and you know really with an opponent like Troy first game of the season going to be hot. There's all, there's always sort of this like getting into the endurance component 
of football games because that that doesn't bear out in even scrimmages because they're controlled situations and stuff right you know? uh so if they're not running in defenders in and out against Troy, like that's going to be another like red flag, but I, I think they will. I just think oh, they, yeah. they, they have so many guys on the defensive line and in the secondary, especially I can see the linebacker rotation being pretty tight, keeping it to mainly those four guys. Uh, but like they have so many defensive backs and so many defensive linemen uh, and, and they're probably still testing them out. You know, they're going to be wanting to run guys in and out and, you know, you mentioned Tennyson. I think he'll play a lot. Uh, I think, you know, we'll we'll probably even see some guys that maybe we haven't seen at all that were even returners, like MJ Daniels. Uh, yeah, I think he yeah. can play a lot, for example. And you know, Certainly. we'll see uh, a lot of cornerbacks that we haven't seen much of because we have Miles Battle and DeAndre Prince, who are great starters, but they're going to be wanting to work some of these new guys in there. Um, and so we'll get to see who the you know third fourth fifth cornerbacks are i guess we know who the third is it's it's yeah yeah. is going to be the third but yeah there's a lot of other guys you know vying for those snaps yeah yeah i i mean obviously like there's going to be a ton of shuffling in and out but i guess you know how quickly will that happen you know are, are we talking about like those players playing a ton of snaps when it's close or are we talking about you know a lot of those players playing a ton of snaps when Ole Miss leads by 20, assuming that that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just another of many reasons why I like so ready for Saturday. I know. <laughs> so exciting. Yeah. Three o'clock, three o'clock on, on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, assuming that you're assuming that you're in God's time zone. Uh, uh, I'm not. I'm, <laughs> I know. I'm I know. slightly ahead of God in the, in that <laughs> Wow, that's not that's blasphemy. That, that's blasphemy. Uh, uh, well, yeah, so, we're talking about rotations and stuff. But let me add one more thing in. Um, one of the most frustrating things last year that we've we talked about at length is like the the very tight rotation at wide receiver. Um, and the room is so much bigger this year, and there's so many new faces. Um, but does that mean that we're going to see everybody? Are we going to see? you know, eight receivers or, or right. are we going to see five? Um, and so with the starting quarterback, right. Cause like, we'll see yeah. a, a, we'll see a lot of them, but yeah, assuming, you know, assuming that things go the way we expect, eventually lots of people will play, but like, what does mm-hmm. that rotation look like at first? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I think my, the only other thing that I see as a takeaway from Troy and look like we're going to have a podcast quickly following the Troy game and we'll talk about what the actual kind of takeaways were, but my, uh, what I'm interested to see is so Carlton Marshall is their linebacker who had 126 tackles last season. Uh, he's, he's undersized, like super undersized. He's five. He's listed at five, nine, two ten. So, you know, it's going to be weird, <laughs> But he was all over the field, apparently, for them. I, like, I, haven't, I haven't watched Troy film in preparation for this weekend. But uh, because of that, like, I'm interested to see... Look, the last time we saw our offensive line in person, or I guess in a game against a team that wasn't Ole Miss, they were decimated by Baylor. And I don't expect Troy to do that. I think there were also like a number of factors that led to that that are maybe not like necessarily repeated this season 
Um, but I'm interested to see how our backs, our running backs and offensive line work against Carlton Marshall overall and the rest of the Troy defense. But, you know, if he is a sideline to sideline type of player, I'm keying in specifically on a Ulysses Bentley. Like, is Ulysses Bentley able to handle a player like that? Is he this, like, more, you know, well-rounded back and that sort of thing? Or is he, like, a bounce it outside where a a linebacker who can, you know, get from sideline to sideline is really able to kind of disrupt that? I think that Zach Evans, like, I think he'll just be able to do it kind of whatever he wants. But Ulysses Bentley is an interesting player that I'm in- intrigued to see. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the answer to that is yes. Um, I loved Bentley's spring game. Um, sure. And yeah, I think he's going to be super useful. I think he's going to give us a lot of what Henry Parrish gave us last year. Probably a little quicker, maybe. I don't know. We haven't seen enough of him to know. I mean, Henry Parrish, I think, was was very good. He probably played too much given the two guys ahead of him, but he was very good. Um, and yeah, he, you know, yeah, he was good. Something similar. Yeah. I mean, uh, I would have liked to have seen Snoop Connor play a lot more, but yeah, he was <laughs> yes. good. So, so would have Snoop Connor, uh, <laughs> I think. <laughs> and most uh, Ole Miss fans. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, you know, like I said, these, these questions we've just laid out will be answered on Saturday which is a day after people will be listening to this. Uh, so let's actually talk about the schedule overall, not just Troy. Um, what is your, so first of all, let's go to Troy. What is your, what is your prediction on simply win loss? I'm not asking for a, a score prediction or anything like that. <clears throat> win. Um... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, win too. I, I, I don't want to go too far into it. So we're both one and oh, central Arkansas, I don't even have notes on. <laughs> I think two zero is is pr- two and zero is pretty pretty likely. Yeah. Um. Okay. Then we go. Then uh, Georgia Tech. And let me actually check. I I was about to say we go to, but I'm actually not sure if that game is. Uh... It is in Atlanta. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So yeah. So we go to Atlanta, uh, for Georgia Tech. What do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I don't have any reason to think it won't be a win. I I just haven't heard anything good about Georgia Tech in a while. Yeah, I I I think that it'll be a win. Um, you know, Georgia Tech. Gosh, it, it sucks. They uh, so Jameer Gibbs was uh, their their starting running back last year, and was wonderful, and he transferred to Alabama. <laughs> oh okay all right and then their backup running back was jordan mason and uh he is now he was an undrafted free agent of the san francisco 49ers cool and uh yeah yeah so you know i think that they're gonna have a lot to replace and then jared ivy of course a defensive end transferred to Ole miss uh and he was really good at, uh, at georgia tech so yeah, I, I, I don't expect that to be a tough game. I will say, I, I was looking at their statistics and kind of how their games went. Uh, their starting quarterback is named Jeff Sims, and he was not especially good. Uh, and I say that particularly in you know a huge portion of his games. But 
against UNC Chapel Hill, which I have a degree from, and you live like 15 minutes away from. Uh, he was 10 for 13 for 112 yards and a touchdown. He had 10 carries for 128 yards and three touchdowns. Like, if this defense, if the linebackers are especially bad, and I, I don't think that's necessarily the case, but if they're especially bad, I could see it being a, a hard-fought game. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, if he has that kind of performance, which I don't think he will, Ole Miss will still win the football game, I, I think. Uh, uh-huh. We'll see, but I don't know. I'm I'm very bullish on, on the team and not bullish on Georgia Tech, so. <laughs> yeah. All right, next is Tulsa. I'm just going to assume that we're both sort of at a 4-0 spot here. I will say um, Tulsa is not a terrible team. I, I looked at them a little bit in preparation for this podcast, and uh, they produce volume like I, I don't think they're necessarily efficient enough to make it an interesting game but uh they're gonna have some big plays and Ole Miss has to kind of be prepared for that or Ole Miss fans I, I should say uh yeah have to be prepared I, could, for that. I could see that being a game where they score 28 points and or something and we're like and Ole Miss scores like the hell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah it ends up being not super close but still annoying right uh, so then, 4-0, heading in to the game against Kentucky. Uh, what do you think about Kentucky? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, that's 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 the first gut check. Um, yeah. I I don't know, man. I, I think we win that game, but I think it's going to be, you know, an, an Arkansas or a Tennessee game from 2021. I think it's going to be like, you, you hate to watch it. Uh, but it might be on ESPN Classic, you know, ten years from now. <laughs> like, yeah, never know, man. I, I I think that if we have weakness at the linebacker position, their rushing attack will probably expose it in uh, a very not fun way. Um, and you know, we'll get to see if our quarterback is a leader. You know, if our if right. our offensive line you know, is, is a cohesive unit that can play well against an SEC defense. Um, I, I think that's going to be a really tough game, but I'm still going to count it as a dub. Yeah. Um, it is helpful that it's in Oxford. That, that That's that's a big thing. Uh, you know, the first test for whoever the quarterback is, being in Oxford is, is helpful. Mm-hmm. Also, if I could point out, Recent history, you know, Kentucky has been a little better than their, you know, program average, but they've still rolled up on some pretty bad Ole Miss teams and walked away with a loss. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it's kind of like us playing Auburn. It's like, yeah, you know, you're, you may be overachieving this year, but we still just have a better baseline of talent and we're just going to like whip you down the roster you know yeah uh so uh i'm i'm actually gonna diverge a little bit i i i actually think that kentucky will win this game um and (laughs) i can't okay so i can point to why the reason is that i think um chris rodriguez jr who so let let me tell you the statistics from last year 
He had 225 carries for 1,379 yards, which is a 6.1 yard per carry average. Uh, and I think that if we're talking about how the linebacker position in Ole Miss is kind of the like biggest uncertainty on defense, I think Kentucky will just run it straight at Ole Miss over and over again. And everybody's building up Will Levis as this like, I don't know, weird. Maybe he's an NFL player. I, I have no idea. But he had three three games last year. No, I'm sorry. Wait, one, two, three. Four games last year with over 200 yards passing. 200. That is not a, a large barrier. Uh, but yeah, against... I mean, look, they won a lot of games. So, you know, he doesn't need to pass. I, I, I recognize that yards passing is kind of like a weird metric to judge a quarterback by. I, I totally get it. Uh, he had a 76.8 QBR, which is quite good. But like, he had that QBR without being relied on. Uh, because, you know, I, I think that when you have an awesome running back, rightfully so, you lean on that guy. Uh, and... We'll see what happens if Will Levis is really tested and has to kind of win the game. But I actually don't think that'll be a problem. I think Chris Rodriguez will will bring them to victory. Um, yeah, right. I don't know. My, my thought on that very quickly is that last year when the Ole Miss defense was at its best, it was successful because... They did, they generated a lot of negative or zero yard rushing yes. plays, um, and you know put defenses or put opposing offenses behind schedule. Um, right. And I don't see any reason why they won't be able to do that this year. Um, I mean, linebackers potentially, but I, I think we're going to have enough guys who can make negative plays, uh, can make stops in the backfield. Um, coming from all over the field um, where we'll be able to put Kentucky in bad down and distance situations. And I think that's why we're going to win the game. Yeah. I mean, I think that to me, the entire game is can Ole Miss stop Rodriguez. I mean, Mm -hmm. so, so against LSU last season, (laughs) he had 16 carries for 147 yards, which is 9.2 yards per carry. And his long was 22. So it's not like he had like a 60-yard run that kind of like, you know, put that in, in crazy. Like against Tennessee, 22 carries for 109 yards at 5 point yards per carry. And his long was 18. So like this guy is not like, you know, a boomer bust type of player. He is very much a methodical, pound it, you know, get, get yardage. And that is the type of running back I am scared of. Like a yeah. guy who a guy who can, you know, get bottled up a lot and then break a 65 yard run, whatever, that's fine. But a guy who's like consistently picking up significant yardage, that's a guy that I don't want to play. That is a good point. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you that it's going to be a really tight game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next is Vanderbilt. I'm assuming both of us think we will win. Uh did you watch the Vanderbilt versus versus Hawaii game at all? I I am not enough of a sicko to have watched. <laughs> I I did. I was I was uh, on sort of like a, a guys' weekend trip uh, locally here in in Texas, 
Uh, and it was like, oh, what am I going to do a Saturday night late? Let's watch a game that is daytime uh, in Hawaii. And uh, we didn't watch the whole thing. But I will say, like, Vanderbilt, I'm not scared of Vanderbilt. I think that Ole Miss will win. But Mike Wright, who's their quarterback, really kind of went crazy against them. Uh, and I think that Vanderbilt could find some success in the right situations this year against teams where they can just run. Um, you know, whether that be optioned or the running back or the quarterback going crazy. Um, I don't think that they're going to have like a good year, but I think that they might show signs of, Hey, if we could get the right pieces in place next season and kind of change things up a little bit, then we're talking about a potential bowl, that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, again, I think that, so then we're at, you're at six and oh, I'm at five and one at this point. Yeah. So next is Auburn and that is, I should have this. Uh, it's, it's at home. Yeah. I think it's a win. I'm, Auburn is like such a tough out for Ole Miss every year. Like even when Auburn is bad, it's infuriating. It's awful. But their their program is in shambles right now. As as much as a program can be in shambles while still having a considerable amount of talent. But I think our quarterback play is going to be better. I think our coaching is going to be a lot better. I I think we're going to be as close to matching them, you know, just up and down the roster as we ever have been. Um, and we're at home. And, yeah, I, I just I don't think they have anything really good going for their program right now. Yeah, I, I, I'm predicting a win as well. Um, but I will say, like, Auburn consistently signs great players, or at least, I'm sorry, highly rated players. Uh, so on defense, they um, they lost their top three tacklers to graduation uh, or early entry to the draft. Um, that is Zacoby McLean, Chandler Wooten, and Smoke Monday. Uh, and I guess the question for them on defense is like, do they just have a like plenty of players waiting in the wings to be able to step up and, you know, step into major roles in that way. Uh, but I think it's funny. Um, Zach Calzada from Texas A&M transferred to Auburn and Auburn's quarterback, Bo Nix transferred to Texas A&M. We'll talk about that in a minute, but um, Zach Calzada did not win the starting job. So she, TJ Finley was named the starter. TJ Finley last season, so he's a he's currently a junior, and last season he let's see, what what did he do? Uh he had a QBR of 38, which as you might imagine is not good. He struggled against everyone, although he is the quarterback who succeeded in some capacity against Alabama. If you remember last year, they went to four overtimes against Alabama. Mm -hmm. uh, and we were sort of waiting on like, can they do it? Um, but other than that, like he was kind of 
not very good and you know is not really a runner uh so i i'm interested to see if he is a ton better or if he's just one because everybody's good everybody's bad i mean yeah i just how how good can you be when there's so much working against your program so much like chaos and negativity surrounding Harson and the Auburn boosters right. and just like, it's, I don't know. Uh, I think this is the best opportunity for an Auburn win we've had in quite a while, including yeah. last year when we definitely should have won. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So the next, so then, so you're at uh, seven and zero. I'm at six and one. Next game is LSU, and it is at LSU, so in Baton Rouge. I think that a lot of people talk about how Ole Miss always plays well in Baton Rouge, but like I actually kind of hate those generalizations about like, oh, teams, you know, Ole Miss teams get up when they go to LSU. Like, what? That was. Every team is different, you know? That is true. It's funny uh, that you say that, because I was just about to say, like, Ole Miss doesn't, <laughs> they don't seem to get intimidated in Death Valley. I, yeah. I hate to immediately go there, but, like, I'm always, like, the worst Ole Miss teams. I'm always like, oh, God, these guys are hanging, you know? like, uh, <laughs> And I don't know what it yeah. is. Uh, I remember that. Do you remember that? Oh, actually, that was in Oxford, but uh, I'm just going to say it anyway. You remember that Hugh Freeze team where, like, every player on the star- – every starting player was injured, and then Andrew Ritter kicked a field goal to win against LSU? Yeah, I do. That's, like, the most quintessential Ole Miss win ever. <laughs> yeah. Like, a, a private school yeah. guy wins it for you. Uh, like, like I want to say I want to say at least 11 starters were, were injured, which is, like, half the team. Yeah, terrible. <laughs> yeah. Amazing win. Um yeah, dude, LSU is the biggest question mark on the entire schedule. Uh, who knows what their roster situation is at? It was not in a good situation, you know, in the, the Orgeron ends days. No. But it's not like they were signing terrible players. Oh, no. So, so like, who knows? And you replace Ed Orgeron with a guy who... I don't think Brian Kelly's a great coach, but he's been super, super productive and like super highly paid and super sought after. Like he's, he's not a nobody. He's a better coach than Ed Orgeron and like LSU with any coach with a pulse is generally good. So like Ed Orgeron won a national championship. Yeah. Yeah. Like, (laughs) like a, a guy who should be some sort of like, salesperson for energy drinks or something a bouncer at a nightclub yeah yeah like wins a national championship but i mean really who won that national championship oh sure or the quarterback and offensive coordinator (laughs) yeah definitely like joe burrow and joe brady definitely like did that but uh no i think to your point like I, i actually think brian kelly is a really good coach i don't necessarily know yet whether like LSU and and Brian Kelly are going to work out, but I think he's really good. Um, 
And, you know, they had some good transfers in. Uh, they didn't, like, kill it in the transfer portal in the way that Ole Miss did. I mean, I guess we don't really know. Actually, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, I'm looking at 24-7, and they actually rank their transfer portal class as third in the country. But um, they only had four, no, five four-star players in their transfer portal class, um, which may seem like a lot, but to put that in context, let's look at Ole Miss. Gosh, I I felt like I was prepared for this podcast, and then just I was not. Uh, I mean, so Ole Miss five four-star player. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. I'll, I'll I'll circle back. So Ole Miss had nine four-star players in its transfer portal class, um, which does not include Aishim Young, who was a three-star, uh, and. Ulysses Bentley, who was a three-star. Yeah, I'm interested to see how things go. Yeah, yeah. What I was going to say is, like, you said five four-stars. Well, like, how many four-stars do LSU normally have? Like, 80? I mean, oh yeah, no. Yeah, but I'm I mean, saying, I'm saying, in, in their transfer, in their transfer portal class, they had five four-stars. They had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven high schoolers that were four-stars. Mm-hmm. What but I'm saying, still, though, that's not good. Yeah, yeah. What I'm saying though is like, how much of a difference does that make overhauling LSU's roster? Exactly. Is is that you know does that solve all of their problems? I don't think so. I think they have a couple years rebuild. That's not saying that they won't like randomly whip Ole Miss. They definitely could. Uh, yeah. But in order to like build a program, I don't I don't think Brian Kelly's gonna have like a contender LSU program in year one or year two. I think he's going to need some time to work, you know, work over all of Orgeron's mistakes. Yeah. Okay. So you have Ole Miss at eight and oh, I have Ole Miss at seven and one at this point, man, I have Ole Miss at seven and a half. And <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Yeah. I, I understand yeah. that like prob- probability of win. I, I get it. But like, if we have to say, will yeah. they win? Will they lose? Yeah. Screw it. Eight. No. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So then Ole Miss, uh, travels to A and M number six, preseason number six, A and M. Uh, yeah. what do you think? I don't know, man. I'm, I'm a, a huge A and M hater and non-believer uh he's <laughs> like what are you, you gonna, he's gonna lose to both mississippi teams like <laughs> and and like have a million five-star players and in the biggest stadium in the country and like a, a you know waco style cult as a fan base and and lose to both mississippi teams I don't know, dude. Like, I have a hard time picking AM to beat Ole Miss, but like the logical part of me like says, like, oh yeah, AM is going to have the better football team. They had like one of the best recruiting classes in the history of football. Um, they already had plenty of talent on on their defense, especially. And, you know, I, I think they just were kind of missing a you know a, a program defining quarterback. Um and and or running game I, I mean they're just missing maybe some playmakers on offense and and maybe a coach i think jim fisher sucks can i say that jimbo fisher I, he sucks yeah. i don't know whatever yeah i mean i think he's bad too i'll I tell him that face. i think he's 
I think he's the type of coach that in the NIL area, era, not area, uh, era is going to become like far less valuable to a program. Uh, and when I, what, what I mean by that is like, I think that he, his biggest success pre NIL was being able to like play the game, get boosters on board to kind of like help recruiting uh, and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And now it's like, oh, well, we can just pay players, <laughs> you know, like it's fine to pay players. So like, what are you adding overall to like help us win with the players that we have? And I kind of think that's where Jimbo Fisher struggles. Also, A&M is about to lose their biggest recruiting advantage that they had, which was being in the SEC yeah. While being in Texas, because right. the SEC is gain, gaining Texas and Oklahoma. And so, like, people are going to be like, oh, well, why should I go to the worst college town of those three <laughs> uh, and play for the biggest dickhead of those three coaches? Uh-huh. And, like, <laughs> like, there's not as much of a sell there as there used to be. Um, yeah. Are, are you surprised? Talking about the actual team, are you surprised? that Haynes King was named the starter over Bo Nix? Um, I have never seen Haynes King play football, so I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, so I, I yes. guess, no. let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. Uh, considering that Bo Nix was a starter at Auburn last year and transferred in, and Haynes King has uh let's see he well you know he actually (laughs) it's funny i I should know this but he actually uh played a ton no i don't know i'm sorry i'm i'm looking at zach galzada galzada's uh (laughs) uh profile he he had 300 yards passing last season haynes king did uh and those came he was one of two against Colorado for eight yards, and he was 21 for 33 for 292 yards against Kent State with two touchdowns and three picks. Now, he was a freshman last year. He's a sophomore. Like, freshman, I get it. Like, you, there's a huge step up there, that sort of thing. But, like, how did Bo Nix not win that job? Yeah, does does Luke Altmeyer throw three interceptions against Kent State last year? Right. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so yeah, I guess that does surprise me because Bo Nix was like, you know, he was he was kind of a Bo Wallace kind of dude. He was, I don't know. I think Bo Wallace is better than Bo Nix, but I think Bo Nix was an average this, quarterback. Like, yeah, this boomer bust, like gamer, not NFL, but like a guy who will still just infuriate opposing defenses. He's that kind of guy, and you know, I expected him to, to win that job. You know, he might he might just take the job if if if, oh, if sure. throwing three picks against not SEC teams, then then Bo Nix is going to get a look. Yeah, uh, I mean their their first three games are Sam Houston State, App State, Miami. Now Miami's good, but their fourth game is is against Arkansas, and mm. you know. Arkansas is going to win that game. Let me just yeah, I think so let, me, too. let me tell you. I think so, too. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to call that that one a win. And 
this is setting us up for a big disappointment because I'm not, I'm not, you're not in O at this point. I'm not predicting Ole Miss to win a national championship <laughs> this season. So, but, but screw it, man. We're, we're undefeated through Texas A&M. Yeah. So I, I, I actually think we're eight and one through A&M. Uh, I don't think we're eight and eight and one, or I'm sorry. I don't think that one lost streak continues in the next game, which is against Alabama. Yeah, I think this game probably gets ugly, unfortunately. I think we are a little beat up at this point. If we're 8-0, and we're super hype. Um, and and the, the kind of hype that we just may not be ready for yet as a program. I, I don't think we are in that headspace that Ole Miss was in in 2014 and 15. No. No, I mean, well, I will say, so you have us at nine and zero actually heading into uh, Alabama. If oh, that's true. the case, like, man, there is some, there is yeah, some excitement uh, built yeah, in, we're right? Number two or three in the country at this point. Uh, yeah, and and that <laughs> is in Oxford. Like, maybe game days there. Uh, you know, crazy insanity. Uh, no, so. We both think we're going to lose. Uh, Alabama's defense is going to be crazy good. Their offense will also be crazy good. Like, Will Anderson is a spectacular linebacker. And, of course, Bryce Young won the Heisman last year. So, I yeah. think that they're they're pretty solid. Uh, so, then now you have us at 9-1. and one, I have us at 8-2. and two. Um, Arkansas. Yeah, and that game is... is in Fayetteville. There is nothing that lets me pick Ole Miss to win this game. No, we, we've just gotten blown out by Alabama. Unfortunately, uh, it is late in the season, tired, beat up. The game is, is 14,000 miles away from Oxford in Fayetteville, uh, where, you know, there's like some, you know, uh, geographic you know magnetic abnormality that causes football teams to play poorly who are not arkansas <laughs> um like <laughs> uh they have a, a good quarterback who can throw deep and can also truck stick people over and over and over again uh they have a, a good i think kj jefferson is great yeah, like, I think I think that he is a really, really good college quarterback. I, I don't know enough to be able to say anything about like the NFL. I haven't like spent a ton of time watching KJ Jefferson when he isn't playing against Ole Miss. Uh, but I did read something uh, in preparation for the podcast uh, from an Arkansas fan who you know is uh, runs a blog or something like that. Um, that's that pointed out that KJ Jefferson is great at short routes and long routes. And apparently he struggles in intermediate. Um, like to the to the extent of his intermediate completion percentage is like well below his deep route completion percentage. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, that's because that's where the meat of the defense is. And I don't think he has the kind of toolkit to just like, throw off schedule, throw in ways that mess up the defense like a Matt Corral can do, but he can wing it deep and they have like a couple of big receivers. Um, and 
Yeah, I mean, the good the good news is they don't have Traylon Burks anymore. I mean, that guy yeah. was just so annoying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, six, he, only 6'2", but uh, his, his game, so against Ole Miss, he had seven catches for 136 yards and a touchdown. Against Alabama, he has eight catches for 179 yards and two touchdowns. Like, <laughs> that dude was just like, I am glad he is not there anymore. Yeah, for real. And also, you know, KJ Jefferson's run game just pinches in the defense uh, and makes their deep passing game like that much more dangerous. And also, like, which of our linebackers do you want to see tackle KJ Jefferson? Because I can tell you none of them. No, none of them. (laughs) I mean, I guess like Kari Coleman, because he was a defensive end at TCU, like at least he, you know, is used to that i guess but no i mean yeah none of them are big yeah well austin keys is big but you know kj jefferson if if they're in space then you know yeah i don't i don't think he makes the tackle i think if it's in the box he's our best bet i don't know i just I, he's an infuriating quarterback to play against and i think we lose that game yeah me too so then uh you are at uh nine and two i'm at eight and three and then there is the game in oxford against mississippi state i i think it is a hilarious blowout (laughs) old miss win i i i do too actually uh yeah i i think um the the particular team that old miss is fielding matches up really well against what state will do well yeah so like if we think about defensively which i think is in many ways it's the story of state's success is like can their offense do what their offense has potential to do you know in any given game and if olness's secondary is as good as we expect and their defensive line is good kind of doesn't matter if their linebackers are not as good right yeah yeah i i think it's going to be a not a blowout but i think that it will be a not especially close game okay i think so i think we will double them up regardless of whether that's 28 14 or 42 21 yeah okay uh Okay, so you're a ten and two. I'm nine and three. Not crazy different. Uh, this is not on our podcast notes, but what is a record where you'd go like, "Oh, what a huge failure"? Um. So let's see. So I'm I'm at ten and two. Add add a And M. Add Kentucky. Add LSU. Uh, seven and five. I mean, that's pretty bad to me. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I mean anything below seven and five is like, man, this is bad. Uh, I think seven and five is like, oh, what a disappointment. But maybe not like we should consider firing Lane Kiffin. Um, no, but yeah, I mean, I, I I think that I'd be upset with seven and five because and look, that means that you lost five of. Let's assume we're going to win all the out of conference because they're mostly you know obvious so that means you lost 
five against Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Auburn, LSU, A&M, Bama, Arkansas, State. And like a bad Auburn team, a rebuilding LSU team, they, they could be, you know, fine, but it's not like they're like starting from an elite spot. Uh, yeah. A&M that is weird at quarterback and is very young. Uh, and State that, you know, is predictable offensively. It has a really good defense, but like, that means that you kind of couldn't really muster a lot offensively against them. I I, I would be disappointed with seven and five. Yeah, so we're at the same yeah same mark there. Okay, so let's let's close this. Oh, geez, we're at almost an hour, so we'll go quick. Uh, we have we have a, a section of the podcast called predictions that are not bold, uh, and I'll go first with my predictions that are not bold but are in fact predictions. Um, so I think Jackson Dart will win the starting quarterback job. Uh, I don't necessarily know if he you know, does great and holds on to it forever. And there's no, you know, sense of um, a competition. I think that's maybe not the case. I think there are times that he struggles and people kind of call for Altmaier and that sort of stuff. But uh, I think that'll win the job. I think that Jalen Robinson will finish with over 900 receiving yards, which would make him, you know, one of the better Ole Miss uh, wide receivers of the past 30 years. I mean, Ole Miss has been spoiled very recently with wide receiver play, but, uh, you know, doesn't have like a storied history before the modern, the, the very modern era of, uh, of offenses. Um, so those are, those are good things. Uh, the, the three things I have here that are maybe a little more negative are, I think he's the only receiver who's really productive. Um, and that we see flashes maybe from other people, including Mingo, who, you know, has drawn tons of um, camp hype. Uh, but I don't think anybody else really steps up as like a definite major target outside of him. Uh, and then defensively, I think that more teams that Ole Miss faces will run right at the Rebels. Uh, and... I think that overall the defense will take a step back because of that, because this defense is, is set up very well to defend against the pass. But like if they can't adequately defend the run, then the defending the pass well is only like a nice to have kind of thing. And I think we'll see a lot of teams that kind of just like attack the, the, the linebackers and try to make them make plays. And maybe they struggle a little bit there. So those are my things. All right. Mine, um, I agree with you on Jackson Dart. I think Jackson will have a season kind of similar to 2020 Matt Corral, maybe with with not so much of the flash, but maybe not the, the crazy lows against like LSU and Arkansas either. Um, I think... He... Oh, dude, I would... Let me interrupt you. I would take 2020 Matt Corral. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, but I think... Honestly, I, I'm pretty high on the guy. I think he'll settle into the job and do really well. Um, I, I think he's a gamer. I think he's got a big arm, and I think he's coached by Lane Kiffin, um, and he's got a great stable of running backs. I think there's a lot of pieces in place for him to succeed. Um, so I think he's going to look pretty good for most of the season, like you said, with you know a couple of speed bumps uh, against some of the better defenses or you know just weird situations, um, whatever. Uh, I, I think 
in retrospect, we're going to be very pleased with Dart at the end of the season. Um, that would be great. Next, so you mentioned Jalen Robinson. I'm actually going to sell Jalen Robinson stock. I think he's going to be a starter. I think he's going to be fine. Uh, I think Malik Heath and John Mingo are going to alternate which one of them has a big game and which one of them disappears. Uh, I think that, you know, the, those guys are both going to look really, really good at times and then disappear for a game. And I think Michael Trigg is going to be the exact same way. Uh, I think he's going to have 150 yards one game and then 22 yards the next. Um, so I think that's going to be frustrating, but uh, I, I do think we have a deep enough receiver group where um, Jalen Robinson, JJ Henry, um, Jordan Watkins, um, Jalen Knox, um, are going to come out with these, you know, 75 yard games here and there to, to help carry us through. Um, I think the linebacker position is going to start out pretty bad, maybe not against Troy, but you know, as they're tested, uh, I think maybe there's going to be some problems there, but they're going to improve throughout the year. Um, and honestly, I even think that if, so I think your prediction about teams trying to run it down our throat is going to come true to some degree. But I think we have enough depth and enough flexibility to do some things to like add some four or even five man fronts or to try like more of a traditional three, four with some like stand up defensive end kind of looks or, you know, I think we have some flexibility to do some things other than let some weakness at linebacker just kill us. Um, and I think the defense as a whole is going to be better overall than it was last year. Now, not maybe not the end of last year where we looked like world beaters on defense a lot of the time, mm. but like over the course of last year, I think this year's defense might overall be better. We, we might not have those like Tennessee, Arkansas games where we're just getting gutted by, you know, teams that shouldn't be scoring 50 points on us. And those are my hot takes. All right. You mean you're not so hot takes, right? Not so hot takes. Yes, these are yeah. these are very probable things that that could happen. Yeah, I think that like I, I, the reason I I I titled this and kind of like prompted you with predictions that are not bold is that I actually hate when people give like insanely bold predictions and they're like every player on Ole Miss's team is gonna like set the record for something uh, because like that is just a waste of my time. Uh, so I like to like, see what you actually like actually expect to happen. And, uh, yeah, that's what we went with. Uh, so yeah, this is the last time we're going to talk to you all before Ole Miss has actually played. And we can actually talk about things we've seen instead of things that we think might happen. So, uh, yeah, exciting stuff. And we'll, we'll be back with you, uh, definitely early next week. I, I'm not going to promise a day, but, uh, <laughs> early next week to talk about how the game went and, uh, preview, the game against Central Arkansas, which will not be a preview of the game. But we'll talk again soon. Thanks, everybody.